0: Welcome to Directionally Correct, a People Analytics podcast with Cole and Scotty. Today, as a guest, it's me, Hamilton Pies, Senior Network Catalyst at Roche.
1: Thanks to our sponsors, Polynode. Harness the full power of organizational network analysis with Polynode. With one-click data integrations and built-in relationship-based surveys, Polynode enables people analytics practitioners to move from data to insights faster. To learn more and see why Polynode is trusted by some of the most innovative companies in the world today, book a demo at Polynode.com slash directionally correct. I think I think you've been dethroned, Scott. I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get you to record all our intros now, Hemerson. <laughs> How's
2: it going, Emerson? I, I think we met quite some time ago, but uh... Good to meet. I, I, th- I think probably on like a call for Polynode, actually. All right. I saw yeah. you or I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I I know you from your work, uh, reading your your publications at HBR. That, oh, that's how awesome, I know you. I, awesome. that's for sure. <laughs> well, thanks so much. I yeah, so it's nice. nice being here and nice to meet you guys. I usually listen to the podcast when I'm driving somewhere. So it's really nice <laughs> to see you guys on the screen. I, I, I haven't uh, watched the YouTube. It's just because most of the time I'm driving. So, this is yeah. how it's made, man. <laughs> this, this is it. Well, Himmerson, you're you're
1: based in Switzerland, but I don't think you're from Switzerland, right?
0: No, I'm from Brazil. I'm based in Switzerland for 13 years, and but I and I worked in I live in other countries and through my career as well. But Switzerland is the longest place I have been, not counting Brazil, where I grew up. So it's like feel like home now Switzerland what part? Of
1: Switzerland?
0: What was your favorite ah so which part I'm in the north of Switzerland Basel but for today it's Friday six o'clock I'm actually in the mountains in the, in the south of Switzerland so it's just three hours to cross the country my favorite part of Switzerland uh, is are the mountains and the lakes I I like both so in the summer I'm scuba diving the lakes in the winter I'm snowboarding on the mountains that's that's life.
2: Switzerland's absolutely magical. Like you, you cross the board Magic. and all of a sudden you're like crystal clear lakes and they're like this sort of like pale blue. It, like, it shouldn't exist. It really shouldn't exist on Earth. Yeah, it's just missing
0: the sea. That yeah. Called, it would be called paradise, you know? if There was a sea. <laughs>
1: now is, is switzerland the one that have like the guys that dress up like knights that protect the banks yeah, so or am i making that up the
0: swiss guard swiss, swiss. guard yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 they 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 protect the pope the pope uh, okay the Vatican. Oh, cool. yeah. yeah yeah yeah. they uh, selected um it's a very strict selection process and um, for life uh, they i mean the swiss guard is is loaned by the swiss government to the pope if if it, a majority is Chris, is Christian, but not a majority is not Catholic, um, mm. so it's interesting combination. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, you mentioned scuba diving. Um, like, is that like big in Switzerland? I didn't. Mean, when I think of Switzerland, I don't think like, oh, this is the scuba diving capital of the world or something. I don't know. Tell me more.
0: No, just a hardcore divers. Uh, it's it, we would dive in the lakes. I organize trips around the world as well. But most most of the activities are on the, in the lakes, and you do, you see nothing and it's super cold. So it's really it's really <laughs> nice like... <to> see <laughs> and you freeze your butt off.
1: Yeah, it's mostly <laughs> for the process, you know the
0: training and uh, the techniques and uh, it's more for training. But so it, it, there is a good uh, community of uh, scuba dive. There are several clubs around um, the whole Switzerland. Uh, Germany also is very big um, hardcore divers. But it's not a tourist destination for scuba diving. <laughs>
2: what they do have in Switzerland is like the lakes will feed into the town and people will get these like water bags. They'll throw all their stuff, their gear, their phone, their towels, everything into a bag. And they'll like jump off a bridge and like float for like miles. It, yeah, it's, yeah. it's absolutely incredible. And it's, yeah, it's not like just... it's like going by slow. It's like, I don't know, four or five feet per second like it's it's oh. moving it's moving yeah and
0: it's, it's absolutely incredible to view yeah the, the in the Rhine which runs just behind the offset Roche the two towers uh people in the summer people would finish work uh like five o'clock six o'clock it's still sunny um put the put their clothes inside a, a floating bag and jump in the in the Rhine and go with the flow get out on the other side um downstream, probably 20, 30 minutes later, have a beer, grill a sausage, and then go home. <laughs> it's a better life. It really is. It's a better <laughs> life. Wow. That's fantastic. Really well.
2: <laughs> uh, are you keeping up with your uh, New Year's resolutions, er- am
0: um, I don't do resolutions. I, I just have <laughs> a theme for the year. But I have a question for you about New Year's resolution. <laughs> oh, yeah? Based on your... Yeah, last podcast of uh, The Last Tea, I think was the last one for 2023. And you guys talking about uh, New Year's resolution. And uh, I, I I was very intrigued, Scott, by your project of building Harry Potter
2: live oh, portrait yeah.
0: programming. And I was curious, if you had to do one from Cole, which kind of fun, <laughs> fun movements we would pick up there? What what we would you program there that is Cole? characteristic cold movements.
2: characteristics well, well well, a quick update uh i went on amazon and bought a it's like a, a self-contained like tripod light ring you still kind of stick your phone right there it was like mm-hmm. 18 dollars. it really wasn't that expensive and uh i went home for the holidays and i got uh, my parents and my sister and i brought it back to seattle and uh i got some friends so i, I think i have like six seven people now And I just, I put them in front of the camera and everyone's fucking freaked out when I do this. And I'm like, sit sit there for four minutes, you know, just, you can look around, but you don't try not to say anything. And, you know, kind of like, uh, hang out and they're like, I don't know how it's going to turn out. So currently I have a collection of videos of various folks. I need to find a monitor and I need to like, you know, do some other stuff, Uh, but we're, we're, we're getting there but Cole, let me let me think i i think cole's like kind of a needs like he gives me like henry the eighth vibes like he needs like a like a lion like sort of like mane around him or something like that wasn't henry the eighth like a psycho or maybe i'm making that up yeah he was a psychopath (laughs) uh but i'm not saying that you're a psychopath i'm saying like you just look like one okay (laughs) fair enough or it could be made to look like one anyway
1: yeah you you brought you provide the garb, and i'll I'll do whatever you want me to do. Have uh, this is not like related, but um we were seeing this is like a phenomena, I guess a few years ago where they would have these videos of people that would just have to look at each other's face for like five minutes. and like you couldn't look away. you just had to look at the other person's face. You put them two people facing each other, and they would always start crying. <laughs> and I feel like, that what you're having people do like looking at a camera you know just for an extended period of time it's just not something that happens naturally in yeah. human existence and so i bet you you get really weird reactions to it you know
2: well this is one of the theories that uh people think is the cause of like zoom fatigue or burnout mm-hmm. because you're sitting in front of a camera for that long like staring at someone's face that you just don't do that in natural light especially sort of that physical distance yeah. You know, and they think like it really causes, uh, uh, you know, fatigue in that way. Um, so I mean, like, I could definitely, I don't, I don't, I, I can't imagine having a mental breakdown, like, where I start crying,
1: like, looking at somebody. I think it came from like a place of empathy, but what my point is, I, I don't think if you would have asked any of the people who participated before they did it that they would break down and start crying during the middle of it, right? Just like um, staring
2: into someone's soul.
1: Yeah, it's like you're staring into someone's soul, kind of, and uh, and I, I suspect having a video camera just watch you for a while while you're not doing anything, it's like the most self conscious time of your life.
2: Uh, I, I'll give you like a, a rapid review of what's gone on. So people are really kind of freaked out, like for the first like 15, 30 seconds, and then they mm-hmm. they kind of settle into it. Of course, yeah. um, I I will stand behind the light ring so they have something to look at. I should really give them like a TV or something to watch. Uh, but you know, they look around, <laughs> my mother could not handle it. She started like talking to the cameras I was like, okay, well, <laughs> let's, let's
0: chill out. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe oh, we'll come you... back and circle back. We are in the second week of January and you already work on your, 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 your project. That's, that's impressive.
2: <laughs> I, I, I am trying to be, you know, it's, it's like every new year's resolution early on, everyone's at the gym, <laughs> you know, so you try to make progress as quickly as you can
0: yeah that's
2: cool but like cool yeah i I, I, I will give i will give you an update when i when i uh have some sort of finished product what what I, what I deal with right now is uh all the time people have monitors like i need to get rid of this monitor i need i i don't i don't need this monitor you, you, i'm trying to give away a monitor now i can't find anybody that's giving away a monitor because i don't want to buy I, I do things on the cheap you know but like, I, no no one's giving away. So like, if anyone out there has a monitor they don't want anymore, the bigger the better. I
1: remember, yeah, yeah. I remember She'd distinctly, Scott. You said people with multiple monitors are less productive. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to see you come around to the dark side.
2: Well, I need it just for this project, right? <laughs> I, I need it just for this project. But of course, it's not very productive either. So we'll see. I
1: don't know. Cool. We, well. Himmerson, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today is just because I feel like you're doing some really incredible work in the o a space. And I know you and Scott both are just just phenomenal leaders in that area. And I don't know, do you want to just talk about like, how did I guess I'm just curious, how did you find out about the concept of O&A and then maybe we'll build into kind of some of the cool things that you're doing at Roche?
0: Yeah. Uh. So the, the, the challenge we started uh, when um, we initiated a transformation program at Roche. And uh, the first question that came to mind is that, how could we roll out these? Can we find the people that are already exhibiting uh, the behaviors that we expect to see? Um, we would assume as well that people um, have a certain degree, a closer degree of influence from people that uh, were closer to them, or tr- they trust. Uh, and how how would then we map this? Then that's when I started looking into the network, network science. And in, in the beginning, it was uh, not that easy to find who ha- could do that, could help with that. Um, so that was the trigger. Basically, we wanted to find people that were already trusted in the organization um, so that we could Um, engage with those, um, those people and listen to them and also um, get their feedback um, or um, count on their help as well, actually count on their help to uh, spread uh, or convince others, let's say, influence others, or inspire others towards the vision um, of the change that we wanted to roll out. That was back in 2019. When I started looking into that. Then uh, from that point on uh, was uh, determination a little bit more like Scott's project you know you have a goal <laughs> start work on it uh, bring us as as uh, as quick as as possible to reality um, but it took us a while actually to 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 make it happen so you know all the all the barriers and restrictions in the organization to get you know data to get uh, to run a survey a network analysis that back in 2020 then we had COVID right uh, yeah <laughs> just just in the beginning of the year. Um, so, and there was the concern of uh, some leaders that what would come out of that uh, network analysis, uh, organization network analysis, would it show um, dysfunction, would show um, silos in the organization, would show them in silos, <laughs> uh, not disconnecting the organization. So, there are also the resistance and fear um, on rolling out that. But fortunately, we then we went through or we managed to get uh, to get it. Um, um, the first net active network analysis we did uh, was using survey and we collected data. We didn't have any, any tool to, to analyze or to consolidate. So we, we had to do um, count with help of other people to do that analytics. Um, am more less, I would say manually, um, but at to the point that we are today where we roll out the change, we now have um, uh, a structure to, um, we basically create a structure to collect data um, that then can provide us passive uh, network analysis. Um, And uh, we can then uh, infer that about that data. The last one we did with Polynode was uh, we are regularly using Polynode now for a year now where we're collecting this passive data, but we want to validate whether that passive data was um, reflection of reality. So we run another active uh, network analysis um, in November, October, November last year. And, and then we are comparing if the results of the active network analysis um, uh, confirm or or discredit the, the data we have from the passive uh, data. Wow, you're, you're getting like really
2: deep, like you, you guys are full on into this going from like an uh, just a, a kernel of an idea and like you sell it to leadership then conducting active network analysis then well, what, what kind of passive data are you collecting on individuals
0: so so one of the changes we want to introduce and that's another question it's we wanted um, the organization to um, rethink of the form of work so we have we're operating in eighty-nine countries, um, thirteen thousand employees, and this is only the pharma commercial part that I, I take care. Um, and what happens in need, sorry Scott, I need to set a little bit of business context. Sure, sure. Uh, what happens is uh, because the people the this the, the healthcare system is very locally oriented, so policies are local policies, doctors are local, hospitals are local a lot of the work takes place, a lot of the collaboration takes place locally. So our team or commercial teams or medical teams um, are engaged in introducing a new product in the market or they are supporting um, the um, um, scale up of a new, ter- no, new therapy. Um, they would engage locally. And then what do you happen when you're dealing with 89 countries is that even though we have the same innovation technology to, Disseminate everywhere, these skills are not equally distributed. So, there are countries that will not have um, conditions even to recruit people with certain skills because there isn't uh, that skill is not available in the country. So, for them, it's much harder to um, support the local um, patients or the, the healthcare system with only the skill pool they have. So, our intention was to create a a structure where the skill could, or people could bring these skills, whatever they, from places that uh, we have abundant skills to places that have um, less skills without um, impact on people mobility. So not everyone wants to, uh, is mobile, not, not every talent is um, willing to relocate. But they are willing to um, lend the skill sets to, for short projects, um, to support Um, colleagues in other countries or or objectives in in other, in other affiliates or recall in other countries, other markets. So in order to do that, um, we wanted to create a space where people could um, launch challenges uh, or opportunities or initiatives in a platform and people could then um, sign up for that. So basically we wanted people to start collaborating um, across border and across functions. Um, more than they were doing before, uh, and that's the data we're collecting today. So the, the structure we the change we did, and the platform that we introduced it, uh, enables us to to see what is happening in terms of needs. People raise the needs. So we need uh, we need a digital marketing specialist, uh, or we need to develop um, a campaign for a launch of uh, the product of ophthalmology in country X, and then people from that have that skill set they would um, sign up for that project so now we can map uh, the work the units that are forming at, around the need of work and we can map the skills that are flowing to that work and the skills needed for that work and we can understand um, people through the active network we can also understand um, those people that are critical to the collaboration of individuals we can see also that from the passive we confirmed through the active network and I. So basically, we are mapping, we, we are having a, an x ray of the, the dynamism of needs that are not fulfilled in the organization or have a lack um, in some, certain regions and how that is flowing or not flowing um, for that part of the organization.
1: That's fascinating. I'm wondering, one of the things that um, I got to attend a, a, a webinar you did recently, Hemmerson. Uh, with Polynode, where you were talking about some of the work that you got to do um, using ONA. And one of the things that came up, and I've never heard of any other companies that were doing this, is because you guys are so focused on using ONA for collaboration and kind of bridging barriers that may have not previously been bridged, you're actually sharing ONA data directly with employees. And I very, very rarely hear, or I I say rarely, I've never heard of anybody doing that. And so can you talk specifically about how that has gone about and how you were able to be that progressive in this space of using that type of data and scaling it directly to employees?
0: So we we just started with that uh, um, approach as well, um, Cole. Mm -hmm. It, It comes also from the principle that we have is it. We want people to have the autonomy; they have the intelligence that they need to make the decisions that they need to make. We also found um, um, back then in 2020, when we did the first network analysis, we did interview with people that are central to the collaboration of specific of clusters, or they are building bridges between between clusters or silos, and we try to understand what are the um, behaviors that um, that actually they. <laughs> they they used, how why they were so important uh, to the collaboration of of other individuals. And we invited a group of uh, them to design what would be the principles and the conditions for enable uh, better collaboration or better and uh, um, more effective collaboration across border. And the principles, one of the principles they came up with is is super simple. It's the need need to be visible. So the project can be visible. The skills need to be visible, skills that are needed, and the skills people have. Um, but also need have a transparency about what's going on. So, we, and to fulfill this third, basically to fulfill these three requirements, no better way than actually provide the visibility to the employees about uh, um, the collaboration that's taking place using uh, network maps or and and the data that we we have about there collaboration we also provide um becomes very 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 um visible what is the lack of some skills that we have uh, overload that some people are facing because the the rare skills that they, they pursue um and we also work in 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 helping them to develop capabilities to to deal with that overload you now because once you remove those constraints or those barriers of the traditional structure of a job description where people only have to work on demands required by the aligned manager now the demand is coming from anywhere it's available and people can find (laughs) the reputation we also saw called that the reputation spreads faster and people that are participating in these projects are four times more likely to be known to be recognized by these skills and capabilities and because people are working multiple projects that reputation goes faster, spread wider in the organization. So then it's a new set of skills uh, that people would have to acquire. But the best way we find to make that um, to give them the tools and the, the, um, the information they can decide by themselves where to put their effort, uh, which projects to say no, because there are alternatives that they could um, work better. It's by providing uh, the full information um, straight away. I think that
2: that's one of the myths that people have about collaboration uh they, they look at like a network map or you know just like look at their, their colleagues and be like well that person's really uh extroverted and then that and they're, they're just like very charismatic that that's why they can make their way to the center of the network or they can influence this sort of stuff but people have a choice in the network to make themselves more central or more uh, periphery if they want to uh like look at cole like you know, he he made a choice like a couple years ago to like hey i want to make a name for myself i'm going to go start meet with a bunch of people and therefore he's become the popular handsome glorious figure that he is <laughs> 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 but but in, in, in so reality it, <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but really it's, it's a skill just like if you want to learn python you go out and like you take some training course you learn how to do python you know like it, it sounds like uh your company is giving people the uh the the training to uh learn how to put themselves out there and you know make their way in the network
0: yeah yeah and, and uh, they can also find uh, what we see as well um they can use the same data to find colleagues that have this have worked already in similar yeah. um project they have it, sometimes even that technical and pragmatic Scott, like who else is doing this have the same challenge and already working the same thing or who has worked already um and now this person is i don't know this person but this person worked with is cold, which i worked at in yeah. previous project so let me let me reach out to them you know like let, maybe Cole come introduce me and then we can um, I can get that that person help in the challenge I have now. And so I think it,
2: that's one of the fallacies surrounding network analysis as well. That like it, it's only good for one thing. Like I I e like identifying influencers. So these people are key in the network, and we're gonna go tap them, and they're gonna you know disseminate information or whatever. And it kind of dies on the vine. But once you have that network map, th- there's all sorts of things that can happen. I e like identify other folks that uh, have a common set of behaviors that relate to a common set of outcomes, you know, identify these uh, figures that have gone through it before, uh, org planning, org design, like you kind of mentioned on there before, I mean, it's just like a wealth of information that comes from this one data set.
1: Agreed. well I'll say one thing, um, too, here, and, and I'd love to get your perspective on it too, Hammerson, is the differences in the richness of data that you can get from active or passive techniques. Because usually you're getting, you're getting similar data, but it has very different implications and richness in terms of the qualitative aspects of it. Do you want to talk about like how you've utilized the strengths of both of those kind of collections?
0: So one, one thing that it would uh, helped us, it's uh, having the passive enables us to um, when we run the active, to be more um, specific in the questions that we want asked, because we already have the pre work, right? And uh, for instance, we want to understand what was the impact of the projects and how people uh, felt about participating in some projects. So it's much easier with the passive data. We already can uh, ask people, um, they we list the project that they already have participated, and then they can tell what was, how they felt about each one of the projects or um, what was the impact and if there was any impact or not, because, um, and uh, who were important in that project for their collaboration. And then with that, um, with that uh, triangulation, we have a a different lens that we we don't have in the passive, but the passive helped the data that we have um, through the passive network analysis um, help us to ask, uh, I would say deeper questions <laughs> than yeah, we would do yeah. with only having the active.
2: It, but it, it's really wild that you're you're sharing this data back with employees because like it, it it's magical when you actually put a network map in front of people and that they know that they're in it and they can find themselves, <laughs> uh, you, you know, like it, it, yeah. it's it's absolutely wonderful. Leader, leaders love it, individual employees, because they, they want to go find themselves and where they are on the map. It, it can also lead to issues as well, where um, say someone is like further on the periphery of the map than they expected, you know, uh, and is like, well, you know, I'm not as connected to the center as I should be or this sort of thing, but th- that, that can lead to issues where Say like a research scientist. I'm a research scientist. If I had as many like calls as like a salesperson, I would fucking shoot myself. I would never get anything done. You know, uh, it, It's a good thing for some people to be on the edge of the network. And it's a good thing for some people to bridge groups. You don't need 45 people bridging groups. And it's sort of the magic of the network map, right? But every, everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. It's also dangerous. That's all I'm saying.
1: I bet you after this podcast is released, you're going to see a slew of people trying to copy the great work that you're doing, Hemerson. So I'm glad you're putting it out there in the world. But if there was one thing that, like one distinct impact, or it could be a few impacts that you feel like this has had directly on the business that you were the most proud
0: of, what would that be? The pieces that I'm more proud of are the personal, the, the impact that pe- has on people as well. So like Scott mentioned, we just shared uh, with, with some colleagues that have the job of connecting other people, you know, and we share the, the result with them, and they see how well they're doing. Like they have their brokerage score, you know, oh, and yeah. that they get they get satisfaction from that. They feel like we did a good job, you know, in the last two years. um And we have colleagues also we talk to them about this form of work, and they 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 say that that changed the way they they work all together. In, in the past, they would be passive waiting for some um, requests from the line manager now they know that they can develop their career in any direction they want just but they need to be active they need to take ownership for it and uh, they are doing that's what uh, changed the life of many people instead of they said okay that's the, there's only one career path for me one one journey now they see many other options um, they can contribute with the skill that they have and they can develop new skills for impactful work and this is testimonial that we get uh, from our colleagues. So this is what I'm most proud of, you I know. Mean, Actually changing individual employees' lives.
1: Yes. We could win Change. a Miss America pageant right I love here, it. changing <laughs> people's lives. <clears throat> <clears throat> you know what, One, just to kind <laughs> <laughs> of switch gears here. here for a second. Um, <laughs> One of the things that I found out in preparation for this podcast, Emerson, was that there were no Waffle Houses in Switzerland. And <laughs> no. so what we wanted to do, we knew you were a fan. We wanted to dust off an old Confusion Matrix segment called The Waffle House. The Confusion Matrix. So do you do you have a Waffle House for us today, Scott?
2: Uh, I mean, like in Amherst, in honor of Hemerson, we'll, we'll call it the Stroop Waffle House, right? <laughs> <The> Stroop House. <laughs> right? No Waffle Houses. I mean, like, okay, just good good dude. Pancakes or waffles, just very quickly.
0: Yeah. I actually had to Google first time I heard you guys talk about this in the podcast. I said, what is this? Is it the real <laughs> shop? Is it the real brand? Waffle it, Houses? It's <laughs> absolutely magical. Cole, Cole
2: owned one at one point. I did not own one. This is not true. <laughs> all right, Emerson. All right, Emerson. The, the rules are simple. You know, you just kind of waffle on a topic. And the topic today is either take a friend on a family vacation, or join your friend on their family vacation.
0: Ooh,
1: this is
2: a good one.
0: Uh, both.
1: <laughs> oh, you just want, you just
0: want all the vacations you said vocation that's only the third, only thing i heard friend invocation that's
2: <laughs> <laughs> which which is better though like which you which would you prefer
0: mm. i i can deal with all the dysfunctional families well so I think I probably will join his family but i don't know if he or she can deal with my family oh. <laughs> so, so it's safer
1: <laughs> yeah. See, I was thinking like home turf advantage sometimes is is better. Like, do you want? It's like, well, like, I feel like on a vacation, there's always this moment if it's very dysfunctional that you know, one group just says, screw it, I'm going off and doing my own thing for a little bit. And I feel like you have more kind of ability autonomy to do that with your own family than if you're with somebody else's family. Um so I don't know that that's kind of my thinking. What what what's your perspective Scott? But it, boy, it, it is a, it is a waffle, right? So
2: like yeah. if you have someone else as a guest with your family, like you know you know the nuttiness of your own family and the idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. and like I feel like you're always playing defense, right? You're mm-hmm. always like trying to guard or like trying to pretend like you're normal when you know you're not.
1: <laughs> but you're not,
2: you know, this sort of thing. Uh, and, you, and you know the pitfalls that are, like, going to get you in trouble, this sort of thing. Uh, I I I could personally, like, blend in with another family. But then, like, once you start seeing that they are not the people that you expected, or, or like, they're not into the same things that you you
1: were envisioning, you just kind of want to get away, right? I think you've said this before, Scott, where, like, traveling with other people is, like, the best way to find out about, like, their character or like whether you would hire someone or something like that and uh (laughs) oh that's just the
2: actual process of traveling like going through the airport oh okay i thought
1: it wasn't like you're actually on the vacation with them
2: oh well i mean i have found like for as an adult friends traveling with them and just be like uh you know maybe y'all want to go to bed at 8 p.m whereas like hey we're going to you know you
0: know i go to the club all the time Cole. we're
1: going to party yeah uh, like, like lean into it man
0: we're, we're going out I, yeah i i think it's, it's a good thing we, uh, traveling with people going through the process and all the unforeseen situations and see how people handle yeah and, you know flights canceled and queues and uh and your, your seat your assigned seat is not is occupied by another person that really when you get to know people <laughs> oh
2: absolutely you put a little cognitive load on them and a little a little strife and just watch watch them
1: yeah (laughs) you want to see somebody lose it just have somebody else sit in their seat on the plane
2: (laughs) (laughs) what 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 if if, like your friend that you're bringing along like is kind of a jerk emerson like easy they're, they're they got a bad attitude
0: shit you're doing this yeah yeah yeah. really we, tough you gotta, we gotta make it tough well we, you, you gotta you, waffle my... that's why you waffle at the wall s-
2: someone sits in their seat they start getting a bad attitude they start like griping at you and you're like damn i'm with my family here and you're being oh. a jerk
0: yeah that's why i would be with his family oh, okay I... you can be the jerk <laughs> yeah i can be the jerk. <laughs> I,
1: I, I... better to be the jerk than to have to protect someone from others being jerks i guess is exactly. the conclusion and and then what can I
0: do if my family's acting like that? Huh? Yeah,
2: like, that's uh, the thing. You always gotta play. That's much it. worse.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: but I, I remember true. as like a kid, like going to other families' house and just seeing how they like handle, say, like you know, family dinner. It's like, wow, you guys just do things differently. You just walk mm-hmm. into a house and like just it's, it's the remember. same motions, but it's different.
1: Yeah, my parents were like really strict and stuff, so every time friends would come over, it would be like, whoa. <laughs> we're we're doing this. This is happening. Like, "Yeah, this is what we do every night." Yeah, this is why I am the way I am. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, well, Himerson, I know you're a fan of the pod. You uh, you like you want to do some nerdery. You like you like the nerdery section.
0: Yeah, it's a scary session. <laughs> it's That's a scary, scary. Yeah, the yeah. nerdery why is it scary mm. you guys take stuff from i don't know where <laughs> some very good stuff that later i, I read it but i said why these guys get this stuff from <laughs> it's like it's it's yeah let's do it let's do it
2: yeah. so so you're you're a listener and we, we don't really get feedback that often like are you more of a interview guy you, do you enjoy the first half of the pod or more like the second half the
0: nerderies I, um, I think you guys bring a lot of good things to another as well. That's why it was it is scary for me being here. But I love when, when you put <laughs> a lot of people on it. <laughs> so I like both parts that um, yeah, when you have very good um, guests, it's we learn much from both parts because um you, you put their own spot on, on tough stuff.
2: Well, we find that people are one or the other. They either interview people or uh, nerdery people.
1: Yeah, for sure. Oh. It's uh yeah. You know, you got to take what you can get, though, right? Um, but I think the first one we have, uh, Scott, is is for you. I thought this was a, actually a, a pretty cool find about burnout contagion amongst teachers. I don't know. Do you want to intro it? I figure
2: you're going to go the one
1: that's like, never go first. It seems natural <laughs> that's actually a, i'm sorry dude that was teed up for me and i just didn't even do it sorry
2: here you let's switch gears here i'll I'll do the never go first just because i gotta do that
1: all right let me let me share that one hold on give me a sec so this is
2: order effects in the results of song contests so uh the authors essentially noted that uh during these like song competitions they it's called like euro star or something like that euro your euro- invasion euro- uh, where the or the contestants predicted their final rankings, but in the reverse order, so that the later you go in the contest, the more likely you are to receive a higher rating. And I, I this the, it should be random. It should be just kind of all over the place. But you know, someone <laughs> decided to investigate this, and they found that not only did the expert judges rate people uh, lower that went first but also the television audience. So the non-experts sort of fans and the audience. Uh, so the final takeaway is, uh, it's there, int- this introduces inefficiencies in the system. And uh, if you're ever in sort of like a situation like this, which we encounter quite frequently, you shouldn't go first. You shouldn't go first. Do you think
1: that holds over to job interviews?
2: I, I think it holds over to job interviews uh, absolutely. Like, so think about like, Do you want to be
1: last because I always heard there was like primacy bias, which was the bias for the first candidate. And then the recency bias, which was the re- bias yeah. for the last candidate. But it, it sounds like this is saying that recency bias strongly outweighs going earlier in the process.
2: I, th- I think it's a calibration effect, right? So like when you first, like you need to hire for a role, uh, just a uh, role X and you start getting, uh, resumes in and you're re- reviewing them and like that first one's like oh well they don't they're not even remotely qualified then like after you start reading a few more it's like oh my god no one's like remotely qualified <laughs> 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 but this this uh 12th one i looked at they look pretty good or they will suffice
1: you know yeah that's and, fa- that's I,
0: fascinating I, I, and I think you remember most as well the last ones right you remember the worst one it's like and you remember the last ones or the the, the very best moments, but your, the, the impression will be stronger on the last one, and I think in contests, like everyone have heard all the first um, contestants in the music, and they say okay let's let's stay. None of them is good, (laughs) as you say Scott, none of them is good, but then as you got into the the last ones, you say, okay, maybe these ones are better, you know, they must be better because they are the last ones, you know, they put it in the sequence because they're best. I
2: think you just need need to warm up too, like, I remember grading exams in grad school, like, they give like a stack of exams, or, you know, like uh, uh, papers or whatnot. And the first ones, you're like, no, no, <laughs> X. Then over a while, like, the grading just kind of eases. And we just, you need to go back and regrade the first ones just because it's not yeah. fair at that point. But, I mean, it has Why it has implications for, like, uh, say, like, if you're going to present uh, uh, alternatives to a senior leadership, mm-hmm. like, here's one alternative, here's another alternative, here's another one. Uh, that first one may not be the best Based on perceptions, but it may be you know they will not even remember
0: the first one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depends on the time. Okay, I remember the last one, and then you put three by three, the the, the three in a in a in a slide. Uh, they will only remember. They'll remember better the last one. That's a well, at least absolutely that's strategy. That this we'll is, I mean, I, I, as as you guys were talking
1: about this, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, this has really profound implications.
2: <laughs> like going, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, I'm
1: like, and I wonder how many things in you know our lives or just a random person out there's life were impacted either in a positive way or a negative way, just by pure ordering effects of, you know, trying to get a promotion or trying to get a job or trying to, you know, get on a board of a committee or something like that, like anything that had to, some kind of selection effect to it. And oh man, that is just It, it, It introduces like one of the things I always tell people if they're looking to get a promotion at work, and it's not exactly aligned to this, but I say it's how you perform. It's what people say about you when you're not around and luck and happenstance. And this absolutely falls under the luck and happenstance thing. You don't have any control over what order you go in, generally speaking. And so, man, that's it's just so crazy how things like this can really make profound impacts on someone's life.
2: I mean this is where something like uh AI can really help like say like uh automatic weeding of resumes you know it's like grading A through C or whatever and where like you essentially ban the resumes so all these are going to be the same it doesn't help in the order that people actually review them but maybe it does uh, uh level some playing field as far as actual qualifications
0: yeah wow yeah and I signed the, uh, the interview schedule, Rundling, as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Still the last one, but have a better chance. <clears throat> right? Yeah. Always go last. <laughs> Always go last.
1: Well, it is the beginning of the year, so hopefully we just kind of came off some holidays. Hopefully we're not feeling that burned out. But <laughs> you want to do I burnout like, out now? Oh, let's do some burnout now.
2: <laughs> burn- Cole, leading us into it like a pro. Hey, right.
1: I'm trying. It I'm doing, doing my best
2: so uh burnout is thought to be contagious but it's obviously difficult to study um from an individual perspective actually just you know asking people what they say on a uh, survey this sort of thing but this study investigated how interactions among 931 teachers resulted in the transfer of feelings and burnout uh, the results show that burnout contagion takes place among strong relationships characterized by frequent interactions and embeddedness in the network. So they actually went out and collected active network data. They asked two questions. I can't remember what they were off the top of my head, but they also asked how frequently do you interact with this person? And uh, embeddedness was measured by, do you have a mutual connection? So like I say Cole, Cole says me, but also a third person in common. So we're both friends with Hemerson as well. So that's actual embeddedness. Uh, anything else here? Uh, Emotional contagion is more contagious in these sort of expressive relationships. And interestingly, the feelings lasted for two years. There's a two-year lagged effect on this thing. And the implications are that uh, uh, people should think about the social context uh, for potential feeling negative in strong relationships, but also just adding more social support is not necessarily a good thing because these social support relationships can actually make people feel worse because, you know, they get these sort of like deep ingrained feelings of, uh, burnout from their peers. It's really fascinating.
1: Yeah. It's like the cloud hangs over one person and then they interact with another person who's supposed to provide them with support. And then the cloud starts hanging over that person too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah how do you fix this? Like, to me, the implications of this were quite depressing. (laughs) It's like, like, there has to be some kind of wall that you can you stop the spread of infection of burnout in an organization. I I don't know. But it, it just seems like that. Like, if well, and it also made me think about the definition of like, what is burnout? Like is burnout having just a bad day? Or is yeah. Burnout having ten bad days in a row? Like, and, and so I I started thinking about this is like, this is fascinating, and how much impact does one human being have on another? And it sounds like a lot, and so I I, I was very curious about this. <clears throat>
0: uh, Especially negative, right? Negativity spreads mm-hmm. faster. Um, feelings of of um, sorrow or sadness go faster as yeah. well through the uh, embedded network. I think the best thing is for people to seek uh, although this this report say people do not should not seek support what I think is not necessary from those close to them who are also affected by the same context they yeah. kind of need to open their minds or experience something that from different context um that's why I think is important to have all the networks right be part of all the social systems um like we do we do have, these communities um, hobbies or like in the diving club we do is it's, it's a, a little bit to balance that right we, we we meet when we meet we never talk about work it's more fun you know <laughs> and people if you're the depressed they, they they do that exactly to forget the conditions that they are going through um, I think I think that, that's, that's a absolutely kind of critical support.
2: Right, so you know, people get caught up in these sort of echo chambers without an outlet, and it just becomes a self-reinforcing sort of thing. Alex Pentland talks about this uh, that you know you get these sort of hurting behaviors, and this is like just another form of hurting behavior. Is people just you know <laughs> feeling shitty <laughs> together, essentially, and just making <laughs> spin, spinning it up? And just you need like to,
1: this podcast,
2: <laughs> just like this one, and you need to like break it. You need to break that up, like you know, it's like you should, you guys should not be talking. Go, go to the diving club. Go talk to somebody that doesn't
0: care about these sort of things. Uh yeah, I, it, I, it, I actually... Uh, sorry, Scott, go on. No,
2: no, no. no please continue.
0: I, I was going to say, I actually have... Um, I, I keep track of my interactions and I, I, there are people that um, they give me energy and then when I'm starting to feel a little down, these are the people that I'm going to reach out. To. It's oh, not or even to work like have a coffee, let's have a chat because after that, I get energized, We may, I may not even talk for what's annoying me. It's just that interaction that it's energizing. And uh, I know that I need to, that from time to time, you know, and I think it could be a strategy, you know, keep track, I love organize that so your calendar so as well around the energy.
2: <laughs> I love that so much, like what you get from the people around you, because I mean, like we get so much or, you know, unfortunately, catch so much as well. Right. I mean, there's nothing worse than like, um, The 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 coworker that walks in with with a dark cloud, like Cole mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. like and like every day, like walking on eggshells. It's really a disservice to everyone around them. Yeah, you know, it's it's really really insidious what these people can do to the entire office. Really,
1: yeah, no kidding. When I think, like, there's a part of me that says there's like only like two weapons in this fight. One is you have to lead with empathy. In the sense, if somebody is having a bad day, you know, or yeah. just having a hard time in life, it's important to be empathetic to that. But there, there's also the, the the secondary weapon is like we all the onus is on ourselves too to like if there are kind of like like non structural components to why we're burned out, can we try to fix those too? Now and then, I guess there is really like a third onus, which is like if there's structural components to why people are burned out. The responsibility lies on the organization or the person's manager or whoever to remove those structural barriers. Yeah, because you know sometimes like the, the reasons why people are burned out are completely outside of their control.
2: Yeah, um, it, it has um, implications for how we approach, say, like teams, like small mm-hmm. interconnected groups that uh, self reinforce. And it, this is a great uh, like Hemerson; they, they they've mapped the entire organization. And now they can just like essentially color color the nodes by how burnt out they are. And f- FYI, they're using what I suspect is um, uh, the lower end or the reverse score of engagement because they, they reference Bakker and Insiglue and, and these sort of engagement folks, but they never say that in the article. So that's why I suspect that they're using it as a measure
1: of burnout. Are you saying they're plagiarizing, Scott? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I would. No, i if, no, if messing around.
2: If you borrow from one person, it's plagiarism. But if you borrow for a bunch of people, that's research, right? So. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that's how that's that works, it. but I think you have to tell
1: people.
2: Now, that's a quote from somebody. I don't know who said
1: that. It's not original. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, we we do have one more nerdery topic, which is completely unlike the the last two um, (laughs) that we put in here. Let me let me pull it up real quick. But it's about um, it's from the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences about projections of human kinship for all countries. And just for like, because I feel like that's kind of a reserved term in industry, what they mean by kinship is like family size. Um, And so What they're doing is projections into the future. Um, And and those people who who listen to me or have been reading my writing know that from a workforce planning perspective, I've been all over this demographic change thing that's been going on in society. And this is another article that kind of represents that. And so they found that demographers have long attempted to project future changes in the size and composition of populations of basically the world. And one of the things that they found is Demographic changes are happening very rapidly. And, and and one of the examples that they used is a 65-year-old woman in 1950 could expect to have 41 living kin. But according to their projections, a 65-year-old woman in 2095 is expected to only have 25 living kin, which represents almost a 40% decline. And so this really has... Um, kind of like a double edged effect on society. One of the things that the, the authors find is that because Ken's supply is decreasing, it's going to put um, <clears throat> pressure on both the bottom end of the perspe- uh, spectrum in terms of taking care of children, and the top end of the spectrum mm. because there's gonna you're gonna see a huge balloon in great grandparents and great, great grandparents that we've never seen before. But there's going to be less people beneath those great, great grandparents to take care of them. And because you would think that, oh, grandparents can often help with children and raising children. But once you get past a certain point of feebleness, you're you're no you're only you're having to take care of children, but also, you know, elderly uh, or elderly relatives as well. And so this is going to have profound implications societally not just in the united states but everywhere in the globe according to these offers and so i thought this was fascinating not just from a societal perspective but the impacts that this is going to have on the workplace for you know how do we deal with elder care how do we deal with child care and the types of benefits that employers provide and the types of flexibility they provide and i know we've been on you know the work from in the office work from home kind of debate off and on and and so I don't know what, what perspectives did you guys have on this article?
0: When you, when you talk and and actually I saw the summary, it sounds very much like what's already happening in China. Yeah. mm -hmm. I I, I worked in China for um, seven years and and that was the situation people would report and they would have demographically. They would, they would have to work, take care of their kid. And uh, there are four grandparents uh, that they have to take care and usually would live in the same house um which which could be one of those scenarios Scott. like you bring a friend yeah your vacation to your family and then you have all your grandparents there um it is um it has implications and considerations for how um empathetic you are which kind of benefits you provide um when we are in china we we were one of the companies that we attract a lot of people because of we provide already a, a lot of flexibility in that support uh, and for um, the elders as well i mean for not not there directly but we, people could then take the time to visit the parent the grandparents and the parents and take care and they could move in the same um, the same house we provide support for that as well um, that was already a differential for, for us we didn't pay best <laughs> but people would like join the company because of, of that kind of human consideration mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. it's it's a wild scenario and I th- I think you're right Emerson like we're, we're already starting to see this when i it probably stems from say uh birth control is probably stemmed it, started it off where people mm-hmm. no longer have children in their you know early 20s It's more like winter 30s or now even you know a little yeah. bit later than that uh and therefore you just have fewer children overall which you know obviously leads to this sort of impact uh but you know aside from say like the economic impact that this is going to have from like uh the workforce etc i i mean it has implications for uh the things that like cole alluded to like the social support this provided to uh say grandparents or you know children which will lead to societal norm changes and how people interact with one another and what they expect as, as far as like their family relationships and. I, I, I like I think about this, like the idea of like Friendsgiving or like Thanksgiving where people just get together with their mm-hmm. friends now, as opposed to with their family. That, that's like one societal sort of thing that mm-hmm. um, it, it just like, it shows us like a shifting landscape and how people interact with one another, with their family, how they care for them. Um, now,
1: and I think about like things like even societal policy, you guys mentioned China, you know, for an extended period of time, they had a one child policy. Yeah. Right. And that that had I think at the time I am I'm, I'm assuming the reasoning was, you know, trying to curb, you know, exponential growth of the population or something like that. But it has long-lasting impacts in the sense it's creating a lot more elderly folks than the children to take care of them. And so yeah. but, you know, as as far as I can tell birth rates around the entire globe are decreasing even without a, like a one child policy. So maybe what happens in China is kind of a A leading indicator to what might happen in other parts of the world um and so i think it's just a fascinating trend to watch as a society and you know obviously whatever we've done in the past is probably not going to work any longer in the future so we're going to have to make some substantial changes like to friends giving you know like big changes like that
2: well i think (laughs) that that also stems from like just changes in social support and like, mm-hmm. it's just like the, the remote sort of uh, environment that we work in and live in now. The, you allude to this call too, like the remote environment. Now people are more mobile too. A hundred years ago, uh, I, I, I would throw out that 90% of people grew up, lived, and did not leave a probably 25-mile radius. Hemerson's yeah. breaking the mole. He lives in China. He lives in Brazil. He lives in Switzerland. He's all over the place. You know, and I'm you. Have, I'm sure you connect with your family, but it's got to be like a much more remote sort of technology-driven relationship that you engage in.
1: Could you yeah. list all 11 countries like rapid fire, Himmerson, If
0: you had, yeah, to? Let, let's do this. Oh gosh! Um, well, naturally Brazil and China, uh, Thailand, uh, Czech Republic, um, UK, um, Switzerland. Oh no, I don't think I have 11.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think i will
0: get to 11 man um, well
1: you my friend are a liar <laughs> no it's i i
0: wouldn't remember wait wait you know i travel to japan japan um
1: no i put you on the spot hammerson i was just curious well like did you have a favorite country to live in is it is it switzerland is it brazil like
0: was it somewhere in between yeah yeah switzerland in terms of yeah. work work-life uh, balance uh, yeah there's no comparison switzerland I, I i like china for the adventure for it was, was opening up um, was uh, i learned a lot i learned a lot about different cultures um mm. one of the things for it's what i think this what we're talking about demographics one of the biggest implications is going to be for for us the healthcare. um if you look at it yeah uh, we're yeah. not going to be relying on or or relatives to to have long-term care um, we were going to be relying on um, sebs providers, you know, that that is, is what we see happening there, we saw happening there, and it's going to happen everywhere. Um, so for, for that perspective was, that was an event, that was really um, mind opening to ex- experience that different culture. But in terms of life balance uh, is to uh, I, I like I like Switzerland
2: from a, like a, a quasi network analysis perspective like how, how would you uh, like compare like the collectivistic nature of these cultures and what they oh, yeah.
0: bring uh, yeah. so from comparing to China to Switzerland you'd say yeah yeah yeah
2: or like, like hmm. how,
0: how you would deal with them
2: like what sort of things you would look out for
0: I, I think there are some some similar traces in terms of um, uh, community um like Switzerland um, there is a very strong care about the community to really? the point that people, people um they are they feel entitled to tell you off if you were disturbing the community they don't oh, ask wow. for authority they don't wait for authority they will really come and tell you yeah, don't play loud
1: music in Switzerland
0: exactly don't, <laughs> don't do this and if you are insisting then they call yeah they call the police and in China, also the, this sense of the I, again back to the family because it's, it's so strong mm-hmm. and the, 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 uh, it's it's what the only thing they can rely basically it's that that family and friends um, that is also um, very strong in China. The, this is a little bit similar, you know, that that sense um, of community and values of community and community above um, something else. And I think that's why people that. Um, get it wrong like in china there is the government but the community the family that comes first and and you know i see the similar thing in switzerland that's very strong as well
1: yeah absolutely
0: that's fascinating
1: well i think this has been a lot of fun hammerson like you you've been a fantastic guest i I think the work that you all are doing at roche is just amazing in the ona space and i've enjoyed having you on uh, before I give you the final word, Hemerson, uh, Scott, any final words for, for our guest today? Hemerson,
2: thanks for coming on. I'm glad that you're a fan and uh, I'm glad that we could make this connection.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> well.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, you've been thanks listening so to Directionally Correct, the People Analytics Podcast with Colin Scott. Today's guest, Hemerson Page. Thanks, Hemerson.
0: Thank you, Cole. Thanks, Scott.
1: All opinions are our own and do not reflect those of any other organization. Hey guys, Directionally Correct is dedicated to you, our listeners, to help educate and entertain you on how to effectively do people analytics. By supporting this podcast, you're helping us continue to provide valuable insights and knowledge to our listeners. Please consider becoming a patron of the podcast. You can find the link to sign up in the show notes or at patron.podbean.com slash correct. Thanks for your support. You've been listening to Directionally Correct, a people analytics podcast with Colin Scott.